instead of looking at ridership, we have to look at service. What's the best service we provide to areas that need us? And providing a more predictable and reliable service will offer riders the opportunity to want to come ride the bus. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged in-depth this week with Charlotte Shaw, Chief Executive Officer of the Birmingham Jefferson County Transit Authority in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a great interview today where she talks to us about their development of their bus rapid transit system, the Birmingham Express, also how they're moving forward on electric buses and how she's changing the culture and the organization to improve it there in Birmingham and how they're partnering this month with the World Games coming to Birmingham for about 10 days and the role that their transit agency will play in these international world games. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged in Depth. Today, we're excited to have with us as our guest for this episode of Transit Unplugged in Depth, Charlotte Shaw, who's executive director and CEO of the Birmingham Jefferson County Transit Authority in Birmingham, Alabama. Charlotte, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Paul. Yes. So you're relatively new to the position under a year, right? I am. I actually been in this position now going on eight months. So I started in October. Eight months. Uh-huh. And I've been here now just a little over seven months, almost eight months. Yeah. How do you like it so far? Well, you know, it's interesting. I love it. The transit is my passion. I've been in and out of tra- transit throughout my career for a while and so I got the opportunity to work as the, or be appointed or as the CEO of Birmingham, Jefferson County. And I tell you, it's been a, a transit the way, let me say that, not not Birmingham, yes. Jefferson County, the Birmingham, Jefferson County Transit Authority. But it's been wonderful. It's been a great opportunity to meet some wonderful people, a wonderful team, and to help, you know, grow this whole transit system and the industry that we're in right now. We're in some exciting times. Right. And so in these exciting times, we have the opportunity with the infrastructure bill to do some great things in transit. Yeah, I believe that. That's great. So uh, tell us about the agency itself a little bit. What type of services do you provide? How many drivers? That kind of stuff. So, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about Birmingham Jefferson County Transit Authority. We're about a we and our primary mode of transportation is bus fixed route. And we have about right now, I'm saying about. 100 buses, and I have about 60-something drivers, and we're probably down about 35, probably about 20-something, maybe 25, 26 fixed-route drivers, and about 14. Everybody is. Yeah, about 14 paratransit. And so, you know, while we, too, are affected by the workforce right now, we're running about 20 routes, and that's probably about 80 or so bus stops. So we have a you know, probably a mid-sized company. We're growing. We got the BRT, the Bus Rapid Transit, that is new to Birmingham, that is coming as one of our new transportation modes under the authority. It's going to be a 10-mile quarter between the east and the west, and we have two transit stations, one on the east and one on the west, and we have 32 stops in between those transit stations going from the east through downtown, which is about uh, 10 stops through downtown, actually five stops through downtown, uh, going all the way to the west, which is a crossplex area in Birmingham where there's a major a sport event place that's owned by the city of Birmingham, and that's where our West Transit Station is near. 
And so while we have just fixed route right now, we are actually growing and moving toward our bus rapid, which has not been launched yet. It will be, it will probably get in revenue services around late July and early August. And then we're also looking at opportunities for microtransit and on-demand services. So we're going to be mixing up our transportation modes as well, like all the rest of the industry is doing. We're going to be growing hopefully in areas now where we can set up zones to help with our or assist with our fixed routes and our BRT for microtransit. So we got some oh, exciting times coming ahead, yeah. And do you have a paratransit operation there as well also? We do. We have a paratransit operation, and it's about, I guess, about 20, 30 paratransit buses. And we have a very big paratransit group, as many organizations do. But we run about probably about 3,000 trips a month. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you operate that yourself or do you contract do. that out? We do that in-house. That is not contracted out-house. Yeah, out of the house. We we actually manage ourselves. And how big is the Birmingham, Jefferson County area? Like what's the population of that area or the size? So for Birmingham, Jefferson County, that population is about 600,000. And for the city of Birmingham, yeah, that's pretty big, right? And we service Mm -hmm. the Birmingham, Jefferson County area. So we have about, about eight, nine municipalities included in our services. Right. And so we service not only the city of Birmingham, which has about 200,000 in population, we also service the whole Jefferson County population. That's great. So in addition to the BRT, which I guess you're under construction with that right now, I hear Birmingham also has electric buses. Can you tell us some about that and how they're being used? And do you plan to grow that fleet? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, with the infrastructure bill, it's going to be important that we align our goals and our objectives to that to those opportunities. Now we already have currently uh, two electric vehicles and we run that right now on one of our shortest routes, which is the airport because we only have one charging station at our maintenance facility. But as part of the growth we are we just submitted a grant application to in the bus and bus facility grant process that was just due and submitted on May 31st we added some additional electric buses as well as some hydrogen fuel buses. So we're in the process of designing and constructing a new maintenance facility that we're going to relocate in a different location of the city because we're growing. And as part of that growth, we wanted to introduce new technology, which is where the industry is going anyway. So since we're building a new maintenance facility, we might as well you know, introduce that new technology to Birmingham as well, being that electric vehicles, no emissions, low emissions or hydrogen fuel buses at no emissions. So we're on track with, you know, trying to make sure that we do our part with the environment and ensure green emissions as well. That's great. I hear a lot of transit agencies now piloting hydrogen. It's like electric buses have been really accepted and are well used, but I think some people want to make sure basically, you know, they don't put all their eggs in one basket is I guess the best way to say it. Is that what you all are thinking there? Yeah. I mean, if you think about where the industry has come from, we went from gas to diesel to CNG, from CNG now to electric and electric to hydrogen. So I think, you know, as we grow in an environment, you will see changes in the way not only the transit authorities use their vehicles, but, you know, just regular citizens. You know, we're going to be introducing charging stations to various places throughout 
our properties throughout the city, like our east and west stations. We hope to in the future have some charging stations, not just for our buses to refuel, but also for our citizens who may want to drive and charge their cars while they're on the buses and going to work during the day. Their cars could be charging at our bus facilities in the evenings or, you know, at during the day while they're at work. And so it's just, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it just lends an opportunity. I mean, we have to think of all kinds of things right now to help people encourage people to ride the bus because that's important. So we want to make sure that we are working, you know, toward the way the environment and the way the world is moving. And that's probably yeah. going to be eventually over to electric vehicles. So we want to make sure we're in place, not only with the technology, but we have it on our buses and we grow our fleet to ensure that we do our part. Charlotte, tell us about how the system is recovering from COVID. You know, ridership was down so much during COVID for most transit systems. Are you seeing finally an uptick in ridership on public transit there in Birmingham? Well, you know, Paul, that ridership question is always interesting because if you think about pre-COVID, ridership was down for most agencies. And so what COVID did was decrease the ridership even greater and at a faster rate than what it was already reducing to. And so I think COVID, what it's done for us is changed how we do business, how transit authorities look at business. We used to look at ridership as the golden egg. You know, that was it. If you were hiring riders, you were successful. But I don't think that's going to be true for us anymore as an, as a as public transportation companies. I think that, you know, post-COVID and, you know, still there are cases that are rising, you know, depending on which program or news report you look at is rising in some places and some places is about the same. And so while we're moving around the country differently now than what we did during COVID, we still have a fallout from that. And I think that fallout is not going to change anytime soon. It's going to change how we do business as an agency. And so I guess now what I'm saying is instead of looking at ridership, we have to look at service. What's the best service we provide to areas that need us? And then in, in providing a more predictable and reliable service will offer riders the opportunity to want to come ride the bus. And see, back in the old days, you know, you have the ridership. And so you move the service to where the ridership was. But that's not how it's going to work post-COVID. It's going to work now that we have to develop a service, an efficient service, where anybody would want to ride the bus from anywhere but we have to be located to where it's convenient and where people would want to get on the bus because the service is there. Right. And so Not what are you doing to make those changes? Well, yeah, build what are you- that's a good question. What are we yeah. doing to make those changes in the service? Well, one of the things we're doing is expanding that service. You know, we're moving from a fixed route, like I said air, air earlier, to a BRT. That is going to help us. And that BRT for Birmingham is running in the vein of the city, in the middle of the economic area. And so that is actually helping us make sure that we're located where we know service needs to be. And so that's one area. And then the next area, we know on-demand services are very important, right? Uber and Lyft have come along to do things that the transit authorities didn't think they would do. And that's come along and make their services more efficient for riders, right? And so our micro-mobility and on-demand services are very important to adding to those modes of transportations we already have. Because for us in the evenings in Birmingham, our ridership 
in terms of the number of people is probably lower in the downtown area. So what we can do is offer micro mobility. We'll take out that fixed route out of our rotation in the evenings and we'll exchange that for zoned micro mobility services. And so as you can see, we're being creative around what we know and how the city and the people are moving around in the city of Birmingham. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I happen to agree with you, Charlotte, that I think we have made a, what I call a false idol of ridership over the past few years. And COVID yeah. really cured us of that. And our altars are broken down now because you're right. Ridership patterns have changed and the type of services we provide and really the role, I think, of a transit agency is even shifting. It's oh, yeah. not primarily just about commuters anymore. It's about actually implementing policy changes in cities, such as environmental stewardship, such as equity and inclusion, that our transit agencies can right. be a vehicle for change, pun yeah. intended, in our yeah. communities. Would you right. agree with that? Sustainability, all those things. You know, We're no longer just going to be able to take a bus and just take for granted that people are going to jump on it. It's not going to work like that anymore. Right. We, you know, we almost have to be like other retail stores. When you place a McDonald's, you know, down the street from another McDonald's, you have to make sure that you're offering the best services so people want to come to your McDonald's. And so the same is going to be true for us. What's the difference between somebody picking an Uber or a Lyft or some other form of transportation than public transportation? So we have to be in there and compete like every other business. And so we're going to have to compete for the riders business. And that what that's done for us is put us on our toes and say, hey. What kind of service are you going to offer me to get me on your bus? And that's going to make the difference. That efficiency is going to make the difference that people choosing what what vehicles they want to ride. That's good. On your microtransit, let's talk about that for a little bit more. What's your game plan there? Are you planning to partner with any private providers or is that something you're going to do on your own? Tell us about that. Well, see, again, I think because of the way the industry is changing, we have to do all of that, Paul. We have to provide micro-mobility services in-house. We have to partner with companies like VIA, companies like, and other companies like VIA. Uh, we have to partner with Uber and Lyft. I think there's enough ridership and enough interest in the world today and in our cities today where we can all partner together as well as we work on the efficiencies of our in-house services. So we're going to do all of it. You know, we're not going to be limited into how we serve potential riders in the cities. Yeah, you were mentioning earlier off air that one of your mentors was Gary Thomas from Dallas. And of course, he led the way there with his mobility as a service app in really changing the role and the dynamic of what DART does in Dallas. Just what Nat Ford told us when he was head of APTA, which is the role of transit agencies is shifting from being just the monopoly provider to an aggregator of mobility in the city. And it sounds like you're embracing that. Well, it's interesting. Both names that you mentioned are both mentors of mine, and I talk to both of them quite regularly. And so I think what we have to do in the transit in this industry is not silo ourselves as agencies. You know, we have to look and see what's working. And if it's working one place, that means we can mimic it another place. And so with Birmingham, where we have so much more to do and so much, so many areas that we can grow in, is to the darts and to the Jacksonvilles and to all these other agencies that I know have already established themselves quite well, that I look to those CEOs and say, hey, how can I do what you're doing and bring it to Birmingham and be as successful as you are, even in this city? And it works. Okay, it's not rocket science. It just takes a little bit more hard work, 
a little bit more collaborative effort and reaching out to those places that are already doing what we want to do. That's wonderful. Tell me a little bit more about your BRT as well. So I'm sure you've been, it's been being constructed for quite a while. You say it, it may open up later this year. Is it going to be high frequency, you know, bus service, 15 minute headways, that kind of thing during peak periods or uh, yeah. walk us through that a little bit? So that's a good question. So let me explain how the BRT is being constructed here in Birmingham, because it's a little different than most places, but some places will probably be familiar with this. So the city of Birmingham actually got the grant for the BRT. And so I was even hired from MARTA. I came in from MARTA about two and a half years ago to work for the city, the mayor at the city of Birmingham to help with the BRT. And so they were offered the, well, they were actually awarded the grant and they're the ones who are constructing the BRT. And then after they finish that project, it comes over to revenue service for us. So the good thing is that I was the one working on the BRT at the city of Birmingham. And it just kind of worked out for me to be now the executive director of BJCTA, who's about to receive that sometime in July and maybe, you know, early August, still some timing to be considered, but we're about to receive that as part of our revenue services. And so we're introducing this new mode to the city of Birmingham, which means that we're offering, once we get that service, we're going to offer a 90-day complimentary free ride program to help people understand the importance of BRT. Because this is a changer. It's like rail on wheels, right? Right, exactly. It costs a lot less, and we can do just as much as a rail system. And so what we have to do now is educate the citizens of Birmingham, Jefferson County to for to help them understand how it works. What do you do with the TVM, the ticket vending machine? How do you get on the system? And there's no fare box on the bus to collect your ticket. And so, you know, we just have to educate them. And so we're running a marketing rebranding program here at uh, BJCTA as well to where I've hired a new director of marketing to help us rebrand ourselves as well as educate people on these different modes of transportation like micromobility, on-demand systems, and BRT. That's a lot for the public to have to, you know, take in. And so we need to make sure that we're doing our part to help them understand how the different modes of transportation work and how convenient they would be for their various areas and what it means for economic development here, what it means to connect people to places and how you get to work and how you get to your social events. All of that is going to play a role in how we change the footprint of how people get around in Birmingham. That's great. So you've got another big event coming up in July. Tell us about that. That's the World Games. So the World Games is going to be here in Birmingham, July 7th through July 11th. And so we, I'm sorry, July 7th the July 17th. And we are a corporate partner partnering with the city of Birmingham and other corporate partners in the in the area, as well as with the World Games team. And we are offering, even during that period, free rides or complimentary rides, I like to call them, for what's called the Red Line, which is our magic connector, which is going right through the vein of the World Games activities. And then, of course, while our BRT may not be available, we are going to run some services to help bridge the detours down that corridor where a lot of the streets will be blocked off. And so that's called Ride the Line. We just had a great press conference with the World Games and the city of Birmingham where we introduced Ride the Line and the complimentary services for 11 days. 
And we're playing a great role and a big part in helping to get our guests and our spectators who are coming in from all over the world to the little city of Birmingham. And I can't call it little city of Birmingham anymore because it's really growing. But yeah. we're going to help and be a vital part in making sure that our guests get around the city and to the events. That's really going to be spotlight and highlight your city. Yeah. That's amazing. It's yeah, a it's it's great awesome. opportunity to show the value of public yeah. mobility. What's really your what's the agency's relationship with the city? Is the city the primary funder of the agency, but you're a separate authority? Or tell us how the structure works there. That's a good question. Funding is always a good question and how we are set up as an agency. And so we have what's called an enabling legislation that we are regulated under. And as part of that enabling legislation, there are several municipalities who are part of that program. So it's like a subscribe service, so to speak. And we don't have dedicated funding, as some agencies do, which makes it a little bit more difficult because we have to go annually to each of our municipalities to request annual funding. And so Birmingham, the city of Birmingham, the provides 80% of that municipal funding for us in local dollars, right? But we also get federal funds, as you can imagine, from all the other grants that most agencies get. So we get about 80% of our funds from that, our budget, I should say. But in terms of how we are designated, we have a nine-member board that is elected by the municipalities who are part of our enabling legislation. Oh, they the so a city council would elect a representative from that city to be on your board. That's right. That's right. Ah, oh, they that's are they are appointed. Okay. And so though the various city councils like City of Birmingham, Homewood, and some other municipalities that are part of our enabling legislation will appoint those people. Now the City of Birmingham has a majority of those board members because okay. they're the majority of the participating body in the enabling legislation. Gotcha. That's good. I like Finally, to like talk to dedicated you. funding though. Let me mention that. Yeah. I like to see now we're going to work toward that in the future to try to encourage upon our great commissioners and legislation that dedicated funding is needed and required to really run a agency successfully. Yeah, I agree. And I think most transit agencies across the country are funded through regular dedicated funding, whether it's like in Dallas, we talked about whether there's a dedicated tax uh, or a sales tax or part of a property tax or whatever. So yeah, it's difficult to plan for your service when you're not 100% sure you know, what the funding is going to be the next year. Yeah, That's right. Because every year we have to go to these municipalities and request that annual budget. And it varies from year to year, depending on their own budgets. Now, you mentioned you were at MARTA, where you were manager of capital budget and planning. So you were kind of over some of the budget there. How did it work there in MARTA? And tell us a little about your background. Well, you know, and there's probably not much differences in the agency. You know, we may be aligned differently in some of the different divisions and departments. But yes, I I actually got started in the aerospace industry as a young girl. I worked in, I I actually came out of construction contracts and professional services contracts. So I got my start in procurement and in contracts management. And from there, I went on to a private company and worked for them as a construction manager over the whole North America. And so a lot of my background, and even I started as a young girl, I started in transit right after working for the aerospace industry. I went to Atlanta in my, I won't say how many years ago, but in my early (laughs) days, 
I went to Atlanta to work for Martyr. And so I worked for Martyr when they were actually building a lot of the rail stations at the time and expanding their service. So, so I got to see that firsthand in my career early, early on. And then I went off into the private industry and worked for an IT company for a while in a management role and recognized very quickly that I was missing transit. I like the action in transit. I like the rails. I like the bus. I like all those things and all those moving pieces. And so I had an opportunity to go back to Marta. Actually, I was recruited to go back for a consulting position. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And so I went into uh, construction contracts again and worked in the procurement department where I was overseeing the construction, uh, the A&E and construction group uh, for the contracts department. And then from there, I had an opportunity to work in capital planning and budget. And so I became basically the capital planning uh, budget manager over at uh, MARTA, where, you know, we had over probably over, you know, hundreds of projects. The annual capital budget was over 400,000, 400 million a year. And then over a set, over a 10 year period, it's like a 3.5 at that time for 3.5, $4 billion 10 year plan. And so I was uh, very used to working with large programs, large projects, capital planning, and I had an opportunity to come work with Birmingham on the BRT. And I had already worked in project management and program management and at that level and said, maybe I could go and just help them with the BRT. So I only thought I would come in and work with them for about three years because I really wanted to come in. That's my passion. I wanted to come in and help because I consider myself a servant leader, so to speak. And so I thought I could really make a difference in helping them move the BRT program along. And I understood they were having some problems moving that along. So I wanted to come help. And so in coming to do that, we were very successful in getting that program moved forward. I went from 30% design to 100% design all in one year doing COVID, right? And wow. to the start of construction, right? When the Pricing's changed, costs changed because of COVID. All the things that we had to deal with in construction happened during COVID. And I was in the middle of helping lead this BRT program. And so we did a lot of work and we worked very hard, even though we weren't in the office. And at times I was in the office. But when we weren't, we still had to move this program so that we can meet the dates we're at now. And so from that period, someone thought that I would be a good candidate for this role, Mr. Martin, who was well-respected in the community, was leaving in his last term. And so someone mentioned to me, Charlotte, hey, you know, we think you'll be good in this role and we support you 100%. And I was, I was like, ah, I don't know. I, you know, I never thought about that. So it's kind of untraditional how I got to where I am today. But I can tell you a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat, a lot of difficult projects and working very hard got me to this role. And I think I'm in this role at the right time because I come with a capital background. I come with a procurement background, construction background, a design and A&E background, professional services background. So actually, I'm in the right place at the right time because right now I developed a visionary plan for Birmingham for BJCTA, which is called Transit on the Growth. And it's my visionary plan for the next five years during my tenure here. And I think it's because of my background that we're in the best position to grow, considering that's what I do. I grow programs. I grow projects. I grow capital plans. And so in that way, you know, I think it's just a good place to be in. We got a great team. 
We're bringing in people from, actually, I brought in two more people from MARTA who are working in capital planning and various places. I brought in some people with me from the city with the marketing background, intergovernmental affairs background. We're actually getting out in the communities. We're actually getting out to meet our clients, our sponsors like FTA. You know, we're not doing any good sitting in the office. I tell the team that all the time. Let's get out. Let's meet our people. Let's, that We want you to know who we are, and we want the people to know the great things that we're going to be doing in Birmingham. So while my career has been very untraditional, I worked very hard to get to this seat. And in working that hard, I think I have the right skills, the right experience at the right time for where we're going in the future. Yeah, it sounds perfect. Sounds like you were the designer candidate for where you're at. So that's wonderful. You know, up here in Baltimore, Holly Arnold, who's the CEO of Baltimore MTA, she was our manager of capital budgets when I was CEO. And then she moved up to director of engineering and then went up, went up to CEO. Yeah. So I think it's a great role. Her and I were just talking about that at a conference, how that really in that position, you get to see everything that's going on in the agency. You see yeah. everything. And yeah. unlike other people who maybe are siloed just on bus or just on light rail or just on, you get to see it all in all the big projects. So I think it's a wonderful background and yeah. sounds like you've got a great action plan, Charlotte, in place for Birmingham. Well, I, you know, I'm working very hard at it and I got a great team to help me. I don't think I could, you know, I'm not on an island alone, you know, and I always like to right. give my team the utmost credit and together, you know, I tell the team all the time, ain't no stopping us now. We're going to move forward. We're going to give it all we have. And that's actually a song. So I usually play that song right before all my town hall meetings, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, great. We, you know, we got a good team and we're moving forward. I think you guys would be real pleased with some of the changes that you'll start to see in Birmingham in the very near future. We just won our first grant for under my administration, which is a routing and planning restoration grant. And we're submitting grants for TOD as part of my BRT. We got transit development that we're going to be working on because I get two buildings with that BRT that is going to be donated in kind from the city of Birmingham. And so we just, we got great plans from development to expand its services, to becoming the employer of choice, and to bringing in top skilled, experienced people to help me work in the agency. Can't wait to see all you're going to do, Charlotte. And you sound like you're well on the way. I hope so. I hope so, Paul. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Well, thank you so much for having me and I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our guest, Charlotte Shaw of the Birmingham-Jefferson County Transit Authority. Next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we have Vibe Vaca, a man who drove an electric car over 100,000 kilometers from the Netherlands to New Zealand. Don't forget to visit transitunplugged.com and sign up for our newsletter so you can stay in the loop with everything that's going on with the podcast and the TV show. Speaking of staying in the loop, it's awards season. People's Choice Podcast Awards nominations are open and we're in the government and organizations category. Please head over to podcastawards.com to nominate Transit Unplugged in the government and organizations category. We'd really appreciate your support. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at Until next week, ride safe and ride happy.